Have you ever wondered to yourself if you should leave or quit something? Maybe you want to leave your job, or quit your degree, or do you even want to leave your own home? The thing is, we all leave things, often not knowing if it was the right decision or not. This podcast talks to people who have made the decision to leave, and each of them have their own unique story, both challenges and triumphs. Some left to try different things, others even return to where they were originally left from. My name is Braden Green, and I left university to pursue my radio and podcasting dream. And this is Leavers. Ashley McFadden is a 28-year-old events technician who works in the city of Adelaide and has a passion for the entertainment industry. He entered this exciting industry in 2015 by getting a technician role at the Adelaide Convention Centre after completing a three-year TAFE lighting and sound degree. Ash, so fascinated by this industry, he even enrolled at the University of South Australia in 2015 to broaden his skill set and working capabilities. But after two and a half years at the convention centre, Ash noticed a change to his working hours. We pick up the story here on The Leavers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Ash, on The Leavers Podcast. Um, As I always start off with everyone, why did you leave your job, Ash? Well, I didn't choose to leave my job. My job chose to leave me. Well, let's let's give some more context. So you were working at the Adelaide Convention Centre, and for the people that don't know, it's, it's an interesting job in that, in that case because I argue it was in the industry that you did want to be in. You were well, it's a, exactly the industry I was trained for for three years, and then I worked there for what was it like two or three years, and then I faded away from existence to them. <laughs> it, it's, it's a bit of a rough way to go in that case. So. It's almost it's a force leaving in that case because did they actually like s- stop your contract or was it was, was it were you casual what what was the go there? It was pretty dodgy really because basically what happened is they gave me zero hours a week and there was some little catch in their contract where if you haven't given someone hours in the last three months you don't have to even tell them that they're not on the books anymore. Uh, that, that that is an interesting part of it as well. I mean, did that hurt, not being even told? Yeah, they could have said, look, we don't have enough shifts for you. That would have been perfectly all right. There were some changes in um, in supervisors and the way the business was being managed at the time. I mean, a couple of lines of email would be great rather than suddenly seeing the roster come through and my name not being even on it. Yeah, well, I mean, that, so, and that is completely legal in that case. So we're not having a go at the Adelaide Convention Centre. Apparently it is. If it's in the contract, it's legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is your experience, basically. So I I guess the thing we ask you about is leavers. You know, we always go around that and there's a lot of ways that people leave. And how hard was that for you to get over? Because you you were forced to leave almost in this case, basically. You, You basically were. It was absolutely devastating. It's something that's completely out of your control. It's somewhere I wanted to be in work, but wasn't getting any hours. And like try as I might, I can't get, couldn't get into the industry at that time because you know I was still pretty green and young and inexperienced, and you know not the best worker because I was still pretty young and green and inexperienced. So on that, as we said in the intro, you were at TAFE for for those years that you were there studying for a role like this. Does that make you? like angry or does it make you even more upset that you actually trained for this and you finally get this role and now it's um, out of your hands really. I mean, look, there are other jobs out there, but you were in the industry. And as 
a young person, I understand how hard it is to crack in in any industry almost. It's very hard. Oh, it's cutthroat, especially um, I'm in the entertainment industry, as I like to put it, uh, doing tech stuff. And, yeah, that's really competitive, and it's really competitive whatever level you're at, and especially when you're just starting out. So let's get into that role. So what what was your role at the convention centre? Essentially just setting up PAs and sound systems for your little conferences, putting in projectors for boring lectures and all that sort of thing. Again, 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 this is... This is my opinion, (laughs) but I think conferences on things I don't understand are a bit boring. Controversial as that sounds. (laughs) I think a few people would be there with you, Ash. So let's go through what you had to do next. So what did you do, essentially, as soon as you realised, well, I haven't got a job now? Well, that was uh, halfway through doing a university degree. So I was just focused on that for the next six months trying to find anything and I think it was actually quite a positive thing getting like dropped from them because being with them I had got sort of lazy and I assumed well I got a job it's in the field I wanted it was my first one out of TAFE and I thought well that's where I'll be forever then but then you know getting a uh, having to look for more work was probably the best thing for me because actually it was like a moment for me to decide is this what I want to do Am I passionate enough to actually follow it up? And it actually, you know, kicked me in the butt and made me want to do stuff. On that, so we should really give some context here. You were in, like, so you were studying at uni, SA? Yes, I started studying because I wasn't doing much at, at work. <laughs> so I thought I might as well do something a bit more productive at the same time. And that was a Bachelor of Arts Performing Arts? It certainly was. It certainly was. So you're even taking more study at that point too. Now, did that, benefit you in that role uh yes and no i think it gave me a different perspective on the industry and different points of view you can get into it was yeah rather than just looking at technical stuff and looking at like the what's the best speaker what's the best microphone it makes you think well what are you using the microphone for that's actually more important in the end (laughs) like it's more about the product than the tools you use to use it and i think that's what university was actually good for made me appreciate the writing process and like you need a good script before you do a good show and now let's get back into that bit where you were saying you were you were um you essentially forced you to keep looking and work harder did did both of those things kind of combine if you know what i mean with that education that you got with your with newfound passion or were you just like no no just the kick in the bum was enough I think it was the kick in the butt, honestly. I think you get lazy when you get, you're get you in a position too long, and I think I was definitely there too long, and I think they agreed because they didn't want me there no more. And, uh, yeah, it meant that I had to take my career, like make my career my own, so I had to take responsibility for my own, like making money. And every job in this, every job in this career is uh, like self-employed or casual, so you're never really in control, and it just was a wake-up call to that. So how hard is it being in those those jobs, really, knowing that you haven't got much control? Absolutely awful during COVID. <laughs> Absolutely awful, because COVID comes around, and then the whole industry collapses, and I haven't got the benefit of JobKeeper. So, um, yeah, straight back on the dole, looking for jobs. <laughs> So we know you're not getting the hours, and I'm really interested in this. Why do you think you weren't getting the hours? Now, you spoke about being green. You spoke about being maybe a bit lazy in that case. What do you think 
what was the main reason they got rid of you? Was there a certain moment when, nah, that's why I was gone? Or I don't know. I reckon it's a number of things. I think the reason, like probably the biggest reason, is I didn't have the passion for it. But I, like at work, I didn't really want to be there, and I was just filling up the hours until I could go home. Uh, I think, especially in a competitive industry when there's a lot of people out there, you've got to be passionate about it. And I just wasn't at that stage. And so, yeah, have, not having a job suddenly made me think, well, actually, no, I do want to do this and made me try a bit harder in those sort of respects. If you got the chance, would you go back to that job? I didn't mind the work. I wasn't 100% happy with the management, but that's a different story. <laughs> but I think like being out there doing lots of different things is more exciting than being stuck in one venue. In work I do, I can be all over the place and... And, and, and let's get into that now. So you've now transitioned to you've been, and you looked for more work eventually. You went through a, a large period of just random job interviews. I mean, but just before we get into the, where you are now, do you want to talk about that one job interview me and you were talking about off air? This is during COVID. This is trying to find jobs <laughs> online. And, of course, they're not doing face-to-face -face interviews anymore. And so they get you to do jobs uh over the internet, over online. And sure, I've done Skype interviews and I've done uh, all the other like, online or even over the phone sort of interviews. But this one was a pre-recorded interview, which is a special type of hell because you have to watch yourself doing the interview as you're doing it. And what I didn't realize about this one is that when you bring up the portal online and it says, Here's, it says your question, like, why do you want this position? Uh, it goes three, two, one, and then bam, you're suddenly live <laughs> recording your answer, which is, um, I was not expecting and <laughs> I may have lost confidence halfway through the question and said, this is the worst experience of my life. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing. Like seeing yourself answering question. And I just, I shouldn't laugh. I really shouldn't laugh. Uh, Can you laugh about it now? Uh, yeah, I think I was <laughs> laughing out of about it at the time because what I found out is that you can't go back and re-record any of them. And you got, oh, and that was question one. Doesn't matter how well I answer question two, three, or four. They're just going to look at the first question where I say, this is the worst experience of my life. And I don't think it's going to go over well for me. Oh, I mean, it... it it probably would have taught you a few things maybe about going into online job interviews at least. I've just never experienced one <laughs> like that before. One that you can't like re-record or like had that sudden time constraint. I suppose it is on that it is like a real job interview at least maybe for that situation. Like, wait a minute, can I change my answer from what I've just... I think in a real job interview, you probably can. <laughs> there's, a, there's an actual person there who's asking you the question rather than you trying to read the thing on the screen and also think about where's the camera's position and can you be heard on the thing and then, oh, wait, I'm suddenly being recorded now. This is the worst experience of my life. <laughs> Anyway, so let's get on from that. So you've gone through that period of searching for jobs, which was pretty hard, and then you find one where you where you are now, basically. So what's that role that you're currently in? For it's basically the same sort of thing, setting up uh, PAs and things like that for live events. But this one's more. Uh, this isn't in-house stuff. This is going out to different venues and parks and goodness knows where, setting it up and uh, doing some rock and roll. Are you happy that you? 
got back into the industry that you wanted to be in? Because not a lot of people get that opportunity. Do you, do you realize, like, hey, I'm pretty lucky here <laughs> to get back in here? Oh, definitely. And definitely post-COVID, a lot of people left. If they were even vaguely thinking about leaving the industry, they just left during COVID because it's the perfect time to, like, retrain and rethink. But, you know, post-COVID, I'm like, no, I actually really enjoy this sort of work. It's great fun, great people, awful hours, but, you know, there's got to be something bad about the job or they wouldn't pay you. So let's let's get into that bit. So you're you're at this – how long were you at your new role before COVID kicked in? Uh, I think it was about – it was just under a year because I couldn't get the job keeper. Damn it. So, so let's get into this because a lot of people were in this situation. There was a lot of uncertainty. So were you made redundant? What, what, what happened when COVID really hit? And basically an email went out saying, yeah, we've cancelled all the gigs for the next three months and then three months turned to six months and six months turned to a year. Yeah, and when you're an event-based company, I mean, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, they went down to only 3% of what they were earning at the same time the year before. So it's not just scary for you and their employees. It's scary for the business owners, everything. Oh, for the whole industry. We don't know if events are ever going to come back. And we still don't really know what shape events are going to be like in the future. Yeah. It's unlikely we're going to have big crowded things like WOMAD again, even next year. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're starting to get some events back now. They've definitely changed. And they've changed so much since um, last year and so much is being streamed at the same time. So new technologies, which is exciting and terrifying because suddenly you have to learn all this new stuff. But I think, would it be fair to say you always have to be learning in a job like that? Definitely. (laughs) And I think that's what went wrong last time. I sort of got to a spot like, oh, this is the thing I want to do. And then I just got lazy and didn't bother learning anything new. Well, on that, would you say it's fair to say in almost any job, and especially in your case, if you don't adapt to your surroundings, if you refuse to adapt, you really are in danger of losing what you have really or just not going any further. Yeah, I think it's very easy to get stuck on the bottom rung of the ladder and not move up. And, you know, that's not always a goal of any job is to go up the ladder. I think that's sort of a myth that you're told that you have to climb, but... If you're on the first rung of the ladder, you're the first to fall off the ladder. Because, <laughs> because like the, that CEO, <laughs> the CEOs will keep their jobs. We've seen that with COVID. They've made more money than they ever have. And you're, and it's all again, the, again, and Ashley's a bit... Uh, uh, again, Ashley gets a bit... This episode of Leavers is going to have a lot of... There's some context to this. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I, I know what you mean. Like, that is a very... To be on the bottom, we can all get comfortable at the same time. There's not much stress to it. There's no responsibility sometimes in this case. But I guess in your case, well, in in your theory, you need to be a little bit like responsible for things to keep going up. And then there are benefits to it. Do you think people these days are scared of responsibility? I'm absolutely terrified of responsibility. (laughs) I don't know about you. A lot of people say, no, I like responsibility and I like the risk. But, you know, nowadays it's like lawsuits are such a threatening thing and you're liable for anything that you do while being paid to do it. Especially if you got like um, you're hanging things in the ceiling. If something falls down from the ceiling and hits someone, you're not going to have much of a life after that. 
Have you ever made like a big mistake uh, at your last? Well, let's go for, like from your last job or something like that. Because we might be your current company. You're working very hard to safety protocols, <laughs> as I imagine. But well, did, did you ever make like a big mistake like that? Nothing like dangerous in the terms of like safety or anything like that. But you do always make mistakes in shows because that's the nature of it. You're thrown in the deep end a lot of the time trying to get all the sound cues perfectly for the shows that you've never seen before and this is your first time doing it. And a lot of times it's under high stress because this has to go perfect for the client because this is the big product launch. And yeah, I've made mistakes in those. Award ceremonies are particularly bad for it because you're just given a PowerPoint. They say, play this PowerPoint. And when the person is announced, you go to the next slide. And then what happens? All the slides are out of order to the script that they're reading out. So you say, congratulations to, and then you hit the button. And, oh, wait, that's the category coming up later. You're going, oh, dear, what do I do now? I don't know the order of the script you've got. <laughs> I, I can imagine the stress in that situation. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Check your PowerPoints if you're giving them to a tech, please. If I can get one thing out from this. Do you think that's a problem that it seems like, look, there's no real research. This is just a gut feel of mine. I feel like a lot of today's generation, which me and you are a part of, that we're scared of responsibility. Is that worrying to you? Do you have that same mindset? Like, I definitely, I, I can't speak for generations that I wasn't in because I wasn't yeah. there. But like the number of people who can't drive nowadays compared to everyone drove in the past, yeah. or it feels like it to us maybe. But, yeah, people are a lot more frightened to be behind the wheel of a car that could kill people, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. If you're not confident in doing something, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, getting licenses like uh, forklifts and scissor lifts, I think people are a bit more hesitant because, you know, there is a lot of responsibility. I think we've all seen the videos online <laughs> of what can go wrong. And I can completely understand not wanting to do that. But at the same time, you know, you got to take a risk to get anywhere. So uh, let's so let's get into that bit, like when COVID has struck, basically. What are you doing at this point? You're trying to, because you're, you're getting no shift. So what you, you've got to survive. You go onto the dole, as you said. Talk us through that period of time, because like so many people, that can be a very, very hard experience, especially for people that have never been on it. Uh, yeah, Centrelink is a interesting system. I'll say that. <laughs> I thought we were about to say disclaimer, 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 disclaimer. But oh my gosh! <laughs> now, if anyone needs an overhaul, Centrelink needs an overhaul. Oh man, I think anyone who is in that position knows what I'm talking about when I say it's awful. <laughs> like the hoops you're jumping through. Actually, they did a good job pandemic because I think they understood that yes, nobody's got any work. And we just got to be nice to everyone. But, you know, before then, it was definitely there was a stigma of being a dull bludger if you're on the dole, which you're not. You're trying really hard to get paid. No one wants to be on the dole, from my experience. So let's talk about the impact that had on your family, because you are married to the... Lovely wife, Naomi. <laughs> so how did that impact you two as a couple? Because, I mean, that, that it's quite a scary experience, especially when one partner loses their job. You might be renting, you might have a mortgage. It, it's never a great experience for anyone, really. But right. how did that affect her? It's really tough because suddenly she's the breadwinner and <laughs> hasn't got any 
like savings and stuff to fall back on. If there's a week where money is particularly tight, you know, say you've got to pay for a dentist appointment or an operation like that, suddenly you've got no money and you're hoping you can live off the can of soup in the cupboard. When we got married, we were so poor. How, how poor were you? Like we were trying to live off $20 a week for food. A week? Yeah. We had quite a large supply of cupboard stuff, which we'd been given for... Uh, for our wedding, so we had pantry stuff like flour and you know basics like that oil. Yeah, but so, so like your staples, your staples, but like fresh food and cans of beans. Was basically it. We lived on rice and beans for about six months. It's up to you if you want to answer this. I completely understand if you don't. Why didn't you have a lot of money in those situations? I understand weddings are expensive things <laughs> and stuff like that, but it's interesting because you you both were working. I mean, before people may, like if you're listening to this, you may wonder how, how did I know that because I've known Ash for a number of years and I've known Naomi for some years now as well. So where did you not have savings? I mean, what what was the go there? So we just paid for a big wedding and honeymoon. So that's all the savings gone suddenly. Uh, then we're adjusting to our new lifestyle, which is, you know, together in a house and we've Buy all the furniture. There's so many expenses in moving, I think, is is just overlooked. Like, a lot of advice out there would be, if you can't afford the house that you're in, why don't you just move to another one? Because moving is so expensive and so hard and annoying. I think there's a lot of overlooked costs, even in just, like, moving house and, like, getting furniture. And, you know, we've got to have a mattress. So we've got to buy a mattress. We've got to have, you know, TV and a couch and stuff. We've got to pay for those. And yeah, I wasn't earning that much at that time because uh, COVID, basically. Yeah, she was the main breadwinner of the family. So on that, then, like you, you, you're going through harsh times. You're going through the doll. Is this where you're tempted to do what your your colleagues are doing and pull the pin and get out and just leave the entertainment industry because it, it it's a very volatile industry. Well, yeah, there was definitely times I wanted to, but. Even then, I didn't have any skills outside of it, so I didn't know what to apply for necessarily. And when like 600 people are applying for a fairly low position in a warehouse job, it makes it pretty hard to be competitive with them as well. Are you being harsh on yourself, though? Because I, I, I've known you for a while now. I think you have more skills than just the entertainment industry. I mean, if you're listening to this, me and Ash went to uni together, and... You were able to build a few things to help with our, with our performances and performing arts and stuff. You were able to write very good scripts, obviously, and, and perform very well. But it, it did seem, in class, you had more practical knowledge as well of, of everyday life. That's no offence to everyone else in our class. But uh, are you underestimating yourself in that, do you think? I mean, it's nice of you to say so, but, you know, there's definitely people out there better than me at these sort of things. <laughs> We go into so we're we're in a we're in a dark period here. How are you getting through? Well, I think it's just the excitement of having a brand new wife and a brand new life. Really, that's getting me through. So essentially, you had a big distraction at least. I had a big distraction. You know, it's very easy to be positive when you've got like new things and exciting things like that in your life. I think it's it would have been a lot harder if I was going through that sort of thing by myself, or if I was still living at home. I think there's a bit of a stigma about living at home like you're not making like you're not going anywhere in your life but I think it's perfectly fine as long as you're happy 
But yeah, definitely having that step of leaving home, being married, it feels like proper life steps. Just missing the bit where you might have a job and a mortgage <laughs> and what is it, three, two and a half kids. Were you ever worried if Naomi lost her job? Did oh. you ever did that ever enter your mind? Like if she loses her job, we really are in trouble now. Uh, yes, and constantly. And <laughs> as you can imagine, COVID times are pretty hard times. <laughs> to okay, it sounds working, like it. To be working in retail. And yeah, I think she'd come home every day cursing customers because they are <laughs> absolutely awful. That just sounds like every day in retail. That's every day in retail. It's especially bad during COVID. Yeah. When you're trying to separate people down aisles and then someone comes along and takes a picture saying there's too many people down this aisle and you're going I, you're part of the problem the person <laughs> taking the picture is part of the problem why there's too many people down this aisle you proud of her? because I'm a fire <laughs> I'm really proud of her because <laughs> she was not enjoying life at that stage doing all the work and having so much pressure on her do you think for your other colleagues that left the industry at this point because we're going through COVID. There's uncertainty, everything. It looks like the arts. Well, the arts could die here at this point. You know, maybe I need to go, go get a logistic job or or anything. You know what I mean? Do you think there was a stigma placed on them for for leaving, or was it like the positive thing? What what was your what was your thoughts about everyone leaving? Did you think these guys have made the right decision, or were you just like, are these guys crazy? What what was your thoughts? I think it is like probably the best move they could have made <laughs> like thinking ahead like some of them probably had been thinking about leaving for a while and it's just like yes this is the opportunity to do it because I think you do get stuck in those roles don't you like this is what I do and you really need like a catalyst to change so like my catalyst was not being employed anymore <laughs> and that made me like really think about whether I should be in the industry at all I think their catalyst was the whole industry collapsed. Do I want to still be in this industry? And for some of them, no, because, you know, it's not very social hours. For some of them, like me, it's like, I guess this is something I want to be part of. I'm going to try my hardest once events are allowed to come back to put myself out there and be more involved. Do you, do you have a bit of a plan on that? Now I'm not I'm not trying to go out there and go the old stereotypical question. Yeah, what's what's my- your five year plan? Because I I genuinely think that's just a joke of a question. It's a real cop out question I think from someone because it's not many people look five years down the road. And if you plan out your life five years, it, it sounds a bit weird. So I guess my question is, do you have a bit of an idea of what you don't? You don't need to have a plan for all. but do you have some goals? Maybe do you do you know what I mean? Do you have some dreams that you want to try and do? What 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 does Ashley want to do now that the industry is sort of rebounding? I think it's fair to say. I mean, you can you can argue that if you want, but what does Ashley want to do during this period? What does Ashley want to do? It's so hard to say anything like definite after COVID because it sort of highlights how fragile the whole thing is. But I think I want to follow what got me into it in the first place, which is like that creative side. I think quite a lot of what I was doing was like put out the speakers and make it sound good. And then I want to get more involved in the what's playing behind the speakers, like who's on stage and that sort of thing. So I guess more a producer sort of role, more a creative sort of role rather than, you know, pushing boxes in a truck at 4 a.m. Do you think you have an advantage, though, over th- those other people trying to get into the arts industry? Because you 
have gone, well, I'm going to do the hard labour. I'm going to put the, you know, as you were saying, the speakers in the truck at 4 a.m. I'm going to wrap up all the cords. I'm going to be doing a lot of things. So for people who don't know, Ashley is also my technical producer for the Levers podcast. He's very, very good at his setup and stuff like that. And I think that is such an advantage to you. So do, do you believe it's an advantage that you can do both, really? You can do the creative side and I can also pack it up at the end of the day. I think it's a huge advantage, surely. It's something that I'm surprised not more people can do both. I find it quite surprising that, like, say, you know, a stand-up comedian doesn't know how to plug in a mic and set up a speaker when their job is relies on that being there for them. Like, it actually makes me quite worried that, like, it'd be like a surgeon, like, not knowing how to... And they like and wash their hands or something. It's like the basic thing. So we're going through this period now. You really know what you want to be, and you have your goals. I really want to get into the creative side. How do you go about that? Uh, good question. How do you get into that? <laughs> if anyone's got any answers at home, please let me know because I have no idea. I think you just have to put yourself out there, honestly. Because like, I think the one thing I learned from like being like suddenly out of work and then trying to find something again is that you know jobs don't come to you these opportunities don't come to you you have to make them yourself and i think it's a bit of a cliche but you have to learn it at some point in your life is that hard for you because you're a pretty quiet person for people that get to know you you're you're a, you're a pretty reserved person and then you have these moments where you are incredibly funny you're incredibly creative and people go whoa you're like that was one of the things that i can remember going to university with you and one of the tutors you were basically a scriptwriter for our third year performance you were pretty quiet and then when basically our group let's be honest, went to crap. Um, they got you to come up on stage. You're saying, we need you to go into this role for us. We've got something else planned. And then I remember the tutor saying, wow, you are really good at this. You really surprised me. So is, is that difficult for you? Like putting yourself out there? I absolutely hate it. Absolutely <laughs> hate everything about trying to find work and networking and putting yourself out there. And, you know, you have to make yourself a business and you have to make yourself a like a brand you got to think of yourself as a brand and i absolutely hate it but you know it's the modern world how do you do that then like how do you how do you go on a stage be a complete fool sometimes and make people laugh their heads off and then all right now i've got to be serious now i've got to, how how have you got that bravery to get on a stage and i know that's probably a weird question to ask for an actor but what really drives you to get on the stage and have fun well i think that's exactly it i think it's getting up there and having fun and making a fool of yourself i don't mind that it's when you have to take yourself seriously (laughs) when it's like you have to think about it as a craft and you have to think about it as like so you so you is it fair to say on that you don't like you don't like over analyzing stuff like that I hate that sort of stuff. <laughs> and networking can oh, do one. Oh, it makes me feel absolutely gross even thinking about it. I will not get a LinkedIn account, no matter what anyone says. Was university hard for you then? I know that's a real quick look just to go into the, the hang on a second, but university really, and look, I've got a bit of a you know personal bias because well, I left university after, grad, well, I graduated, did another course and I left. And then, like you have to learn a lot of new concepts basically is what I'm trying to say at university, right? Or you know it's well known 
concepts and you've got to really get into that. Was that hard for you? Was that was that was it just like well, why am I wasting my time here? Was it interesting or did, what was it? What was it for Ash? I think it's like you know, it's just different. It's new. <laughs> it's uh, I don't really understand the question. What was the question? <laughs> was it is during university, was it difficult for you to get your head around concepts? Do you think it overanalyzed too much or was it a nice in-between? I think I found most of the subjects at uni pretty easy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Easy to understand. I think I am quite analytic, but I do not like putting it upon myself yeah. because I overanalyze and I'm very critical. Why don't you like that? Why don't you self, like, self-analyze? Are you, too har- are you too harsh on yourself? Uh, I would say I am very harsh on myself, <laughs> but I try and breeze it off. But yes, I hate it. Why do you think you're too harsh on yourself? I don't know. I had never thought of any good. <laughs> what is that? I mean, what, generally, why? I mean, I think mate, you're you've got married pretty young. You've been able to have you've been been doing really well to keep your house during COVID and everything when you essentially didn't have a job. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, why do you think that? Oh, I have no idea. I think it's just the way I'm made. I think I overthink things and remember stuff too much, and it just plays through my head a lot. I'm very critical of what I produce and put my name to, I think. So I really cannot stand my name being on something that, you know, something I didn't do, so I don't feel like I didn't have a like uh, input on or something that I didn't feel I did a good enough job on. Or, you know, came out a bit awful. Would you tell people to enter the arts industry? Would you recommend it? Well, with the price of university these days, maybe look for a different route to get in. So you would say enter, yeah, go ahead, enter the um, industry, but I don't know if university is the way to go about it. Yeah, that's a good point because I don't know anymore if the way I went in was the best way to get in. Um, yeah, because you did. So we had four years of TAFE and then three years of uni. Yeah, three years TAFE course, and I did another subject before I started the three-year thing. And what was that TAFE course again? Just the name of it? Uh, it was lighting and sound production. So lighting and sound production, and you go into performing arts. So that's a very well-rounded knowledge. It is a well-rounded knowledge. It's like seven years studying. But it's pretty I, insane when you think about it like that. Was it worth it? I don't know. I really. It's hard. I haven't got a control group next to me who didn't do it. I don't know if it is these days. But then again, I came from a zero-based knowledge. A lot of people come from like doing bands at school or school productions. Uh, churches do quite a lot of sound. There are a lot of people in the industry who actually come through church, hmm. like mixing for church bands and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's sort of a more, that's probably a better environment to come through, if I'm honest, rather than... Like academically learning this stuff. I'm sure there's merits for it, but I don't know if I'd recommend it these days. Why, don't, why wouldn't you recommend it? Cost. Cost. Cost and value for money for it. Like why spend, what is it, like $30,000 on university when you can learn the same things in an afternoon shift on your first day? It really feels like that nowadays because you really don't get value for money out of uni, I don't think. Why would you say that? I mean, because you, I mean, so we're not going to put your hex out there, but let, let's just say it's around 30 grand. I think it is now. Yeah. That's what you'd be paying if you're starting now. Yeah. So 
Well, yeah, again, these figures aren't completely accurate. Please do your research. No, you it, know how hard it is to find out how much a university costs? I swear it's like a conspiracy so that people don't know how much they're paying for and then suddenly they're hit with this hex debt when they're 30. Well, obviously, okay, let's, so let's get into this. Obviously, you're very passionate about this. Do you feel ripped off with your degree? I don't feel ripped off, but I think there would have been... I think it's a value for money sort of thing. So my impression... Going to uni, being a young little boy, was that like university is like a lot of hours and you're doing loads of stuff and you're learning all these things and you get there and what are you doing? Like 12 hours a week at most. And then it's only for like 10 weeks. And then that's a semester or a whole unit and it doesn't feel value for money for me. I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 it's interesting because not every degree would be like that. Let's be honest. I mean, I, I imagine the, the the doctors and the lawyers were probably doing a lot more hours of study for us. But I, I guess really hope so because, <laughs> like, a quick one hour lecture on this is the whole history of Commedia dell'arte, and then that's it. Is like imagine if it's like that for brain surgery. Yeah, this afternoon we're doing the brain <laughs> surgery course. Make sure you're here. So, so the art. So, would you say then the arts? industry you really just don't see the point of a uni degree i would have i saw the point at the time i think the prices have just jumped up so much and what teachers what the lecturers teach you as sort of i just don't think they're paid enough to be honest to actually care like you can understand like that no if you're paid for a you're paid 12 weeks you're meant to provide a 13-week course. So that means one week is just a study week. And then you're not actually paid for the time marking, which is most of the time that you have to spend. Like obviously, like it's got to affect the quality of the course outcome. I completely understand it. And then when you're not, like that doesn't also cover costs like putting on a show, which is actually does cost money, surprisingly. So on that then, because you went to TAFE as well, you see TAFE as value for money. You know, I would have said the same thing, but then they had that whole um, that whole TAFE assessment debacle that was, yeah, that was just after I'd finished and it effectively meant that all the courses I'd done don't mean anything, but, you know, you still learn those things and it's still in your brain. I think it's more, it's definitely more practical, but it's not, yeah, I would say TAFE is probably better value for money, but I think you can, there's, got to be better ways out there for people to learn this sort of stuff. I think you learn a lot on the job and I don't know what it's compared to in the past. On that then, how would you improve the university experience for art students? For art students? Yeah, of course. I can't speak for doctors. I think they have a lot more <laughs> I think they have a lot more practical. They have to do a whole year. I think even teachers tend to have a lot more practical. But yeah. it's hard to do practical for art, isn't it? It's hard. So you're talking about getting people into like the practical field and how that is hard to good. What would be your solution almost to that? Like, would you put on more performances? Would you say to that person, you know, is, is it more of a networking issue? What is the core of that issue? I think you just got to prepare them for the industry. And what is the industry at the moment? Well, it's hard to say, but, you know, placements have got to be part of that surely i didn't do any placements as part of my degree is that part of the problem is is that part of the problem that they're not you are learning 
what the university thinks you should be learning or what they believe you should be learning, I should say. Or, and then you may get into an industry and go, whoa, this is completely different. Yeah, there's no secondments, there's no placements, there's no... But the amount of practical performance you do as part of university is very like slim. Like you do one major one and that's probably about it. And it's not... Again, com- this is at university... South Australia. I mean, yeah. there are other universities that get more practical work. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, they seem to focus a lot on the academic side of it. So the theoretic, if you can write a good essay, you can probably blitz any subject regardless of what it is. That's the feeling I got from it. Do you think then people are going to want that degree in the future? By that is, do you think the employers will want to see that degree? Because it, to me anyway, it feels like a lot of employers, are like, if you don't have the degree, we're not even going to look at you sometimes. And that's that's some employers. That is some employers out there. But it almost feels like schools are even getting you pushing like students towards that way. And I understand it because it is a higher level of education that they, that they do. But do you think every student needs that? I don't know if every student needs it. I think it's sort of a – I mean, it's something you can say on – the um, job description that sort of vets a few of the options that are coming through because they get so many applications for every job, especially, you know, at the moment with the highest unemployment ever recorded in Australia. Hooray. Well done, Australia. But, yeah, it's you just need a way of saying these people, like just cutting the numbers down basically. So an easy way to do that is, oh, all right, if you haven't got the qualification, you can't get the job. And that's just a way of like cutting half of them in half and you don't even have to worry about whether they're suitable or not. And they might be like the best people you've ever had, but you know, you just got to find someone. I think it's the same with school. Like I don't know if everyone needs to do year 11 and 12 because I did year 11 and 12. A lot of people I know did year 11 and 12 and I don't know if it's like the defining thing. I don't think knowing how to do... <laughs> Like how did my research project actually helped me in later life or like having to do under exam conditions is necessarily helpful. I think the most valuable thing about year 11 and 12 is like how to waste time during a study period. That's like the most genuine like life skill I got from year 11 and 12. I did five exams. Oh, yeah. Five the, exams. What, what did I do? I did IT... Which is the stupidest exam. The worst. Ex- it was a written exam for an IT exam. Written. By it's, hand. It's an, it's an interesting um, proposition. I did English. I did physics. That was really hard. I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but you know what? I was actually genuinely interested in physics. And I think that's the, you're sort of pushed to something you'll do well at. And that was definitely something I knew I wouldn't do well at. But I just found interesting. And two more. What's the other two? I did. A drama, and I did... There was a drama exam? Oh, there was a written drama exam. Yes, there was. Okay, I must admit, I did not do one of those. I think that's the difference between drama studies and uh, drama. <laughs> I did the drama studies because <laughs> our school was extremely focused on anyone getting into university. And I don't know if university is necessarily for everyone. But there we go. What was the last one? Oh, Psychology. All right, so we've gone, well, another really big, big deep dive into education, a part of it. So let, let's wrap this up like quite nicely. Do you ever at any point regret leaving your first job? 
ah, well, I definitely did at the time. I felt very bad about it. But, you know, given time, I can see that it was actually very helpful for me. Do you think the stigma of leaving is too harsh? Like, there's the, I think there's always a stigma, right, when people leave saying that like, they're a quitter. You know what I mean? Oh, but that's 100% true, yes. Yeah. Do you I, think... Yeah, go on. No, the, the stigma around, like, leaving something or like, even just saying, I've got too much at the moment, I'm not going to do all the things I've previously done, or, you know, being fired from a job, it's, you know, it feels like you are a failure, you know? Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Um, do you think you'll ever leave the job you're in now? Or the industry? It's hard to say. But, you know, I'm not ruling it out. I might leave for bigger and better things. I might leave because suddenly one day I wake up and I find it's not for me. But I think it's certainly something that I am more open to thinking about now rather than the sort of default setting setting that this is what I do, so I'm going to do it. I can see that, you know, there's a whole world out there. Just get out and explore it. What would you say to someone who's thinking about leaving the industry? I'd just say, do it. Even if it's just for six months and you come back. You know what? You can always come back, which is what I've sort of discovered post-COVID. You know, it's, everything comes back. Nature returns. Birds start singing again. You can come back to the industry anytime you want. It's not going anywhere. Do you think your life has improved since you've left your job? Yes, but not necessarily because I left my job. Actually, you know what? Maybe it is because it made me think harder about everything. Yeah, I'd say it would. I hated that job. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on the Leavers podcast, Actually, it's, it's, it's such an interesting story. It, it has depth in it. And because you're a quiet person, I think this is like really interesting to delve into because you, you're very passionate about your industry. You're extremely passionate about your education of how people get into the industry as well. And it's good to dive into those things. And I'm, I'm glad you gave that context and the your reasoning for each decision that you made to, to basically everything that you've done. It, it, it's, it seems well thought out. And sometimes we do need that kick in the butt. I think that's the main thing that you're getting at. But um, thank you for joining us on the Leavers podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Braden. We'll see you in post because you're a technical producer. Yeah, how are we going to edit this damn thing? It's going to be interesting. Terribly answers. It's going to be interesting. Thank you for joining us on the Leavers podcast. We'll see you next time. Bye. It's an interesting story, the Ashley McFadden story. He was basically a kid who wanted to get into the entertainment industry and did it through education, but also landed that dream role really early. And what I really like about it is that he was willing to adapt. And look, he is a little bit bitter towards his higher education. And I can completely understand that. If you don't feel like you're getting the worst out of something that costs you a lot of money, you're going to be understandably angry. But what's great is he gives people context of why he made his decisions and just how difficult it can be for people. So if you're listening to this, it hopefully gives you some inspiration to get better and adapt out there. Thanks for listening to the Leavers Podcast. We'll see you next time. This was a Smashed Gnome production.